Hey guys, welcome to Bagging the Boardcast, episode number 522. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're finally doing it, guys. <laughs> yeah, third time's a charm. Right? Yeah. Well, sometimes internet happens, uh, and sometimes life things happen. So we've had a little bit of a brief sabbatical, but normally we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out May 17th, 2023. Then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we read. April. 2023. That's good. I have to match John's pauses. But also, I'm hesitant to speak when John's taking a pause because I don't know if like my internet's acting up again. So. <laughs> uh, no, I just take pauses. <laughs> but guys, but hey, those pauses give me, time give, us? To, give me time to drink. Yeah, And uh, John, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking from Lawson's Finest Liquids. Their Hazy Rays. This is a new hazy and juicy IPA from them. Coming in at 5.3, and this beer is delicious. Uh, I really like it. Um, I told Paul all about it pre-show, um, but this has got a really nice citrusy juiciness to it with the perfect amount of kind of that pithy bitter on the back end, um, which makes you kind of want to keep drinking it. Um, this beer is a perfect summer porch beer. Like it's, there's just everything about it is uh, delicious. And I also said to Paul, like for being a, a quote unquote session beer, this beer is better than the four beers that were in that all day IPA pack. It just pops in just so much more um, flavor. Granted, it's a little higher ABV than those, but not by much. Um, and it's just uh, really done right. Nice. nice. I'm definitely excited to try this one. I got to find it. You should be able to find it. Uh, they got 12 packs and four packs. Are you sticking to your seltzers, Paul? Yeah, I'm uh, sticking to my seltzers. I'm drinking... Since that I'm taking that as a throw thrown it to me. Yeah, well, I, I saw you. I didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah, hey, I'm drinking. Uh, like you know, I'm giving into the branding, and I'm trying a uh, liquid death. This is um a guy that that started always enjoyed. Uh, I believe I heard an interview with on uh, Marketplace on NPR. Uh, actually, it's American Public Radio, so AP, APM, American Public Public Media. Doesn't APM. matter. Anyways. Anyways, Liquid Death, the founder, always enjoyed uh, stone brewings, like Arrogant Bastard, stuff like that. And he's, he's was seeing that, you know, why why are the people with the craft beers having so much fun with their marketing, able to create all these really cool things? Um, he wanted something for the people that didn't want to partake in alcohol to have just as much fun. And that's why he started uh, Liquid Death. Um, and also it, it refers to death to plastic as well uh so they're, they're striving to eliminate plastic they say that this uh they donate uh, parts of every can sold to help end plastic pollution and their aluminum cans are 
quote unquote, infinitely recyclable. Um, the flavor I am drinking is Severed, severed Lime. And it is flavored uh, with a little bit of lime, but also sweetened with a little bit of agave. So it gives you that slight margarita vibe with having no alcohol. So it's nice. Yeah, the, the severed lime's really good. Uh, I also actually really enjoy the mango chainsaw that they have mm. as well. Ooh, what else you don't say, Chris. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've seen the advertising for mm. Liquid Death stuff before, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Like the very first commercial for them I saw was uh, Joe Mont Joe Manginelli. Yeah, that guy. D and D guy. Joe Manginello, Yeah, um, signing a contract with them to uh, sell his soul for a case of water, hmm. and I thought that was really funny. And they had it set up on their website where if you sold them your soul and like you paid for shipping and handling, they would send you a case of water i thought it was really funny um also it's good water the flavored versions of it are really good too um i have no issues with it uh murder your thirst paul yeah uh i got these i picked these up at a garbage uh kind of a garbage station a garbage hey. yeah like i just saw them outside i was like hey picked them up at a gas station and uh they were doing a deal two for three dollars so i'm like for a dollar fifty a piece like might as well try it i've seen um just like i think a six pack or maybe the common an eight pack and i don't think they were at outrageously expensive but i've only been able to see the like the unflavored i haven't found like a variety pack of them yet um and i think i'd want a variety pack if i was going ca- to pick up a pack the cases do come in like um like a 12 pack usually i can get them at Publix for like 15 dollars, so it's not like terribly expensive mm-hmm. Um, but they also sell them at like five below down here, which is kind of like a, a knickknack store uh, in their like cooler section for like a dollar twenty five each. Like so it's cheaper than buying like a soda or an energy drink. So mm-hmm. I like those. Nice. But Chris, you're not drinking yes. liquid death right now. No, I am actually drinking a Your beer. Second beer. Well, it's my second of my first beer. Because uh, all my beer tonight are coming from Hidden Springs Aleworks out of Tampa, Florida. And this is their Prohibition Party. And this is a pre-Prohibition style Pilsner. Uh, it's okay. I I don't mind it. It's a good uh, Pilsner. It's just hard to not compare this to Deadwords Brewing's um, pre-Prohibition lager that they have, which is just very big, very flavorful. But there's nothing wrong with this one. I picked up a four pack of it. I used it to make my beer cheese dip that we had tonight with our charcuterie uh, while we were watching the Eurovision night two uh, semifinals. Uh, so it, it worked well for beer cheese and it works well for drinking with your friends. Paul, uh, Amazon, you can get a 24 pack half lime, half mango for $35. Okay. But they have a bunch of different flavor combinations. They also do a, a tea. I've never had it before. I'm interested now. It's good. A tea might be good. Yeah, they have a 24 mix pack tea. Mm. Three different three different flavors. That is $55 for mm. it. But it's their 19 twos. So they're still five cans. They're big, big, big boys. 
And these are coming, the water's coming 12, uh, 16.9. So, our 500 milliliter, if you are so inclined. Anyways, <laughs> this is not sponsored by Liquid Death. But hey, if you want a Liquid Death, email us, bangboardcast at gmail.com. We like your product. And I will drink more of your product. <laughs> um, like I said up at the front, though, it's been a couple weeks since we've had a chance to record together. So there's been a couple movies that are part of our summer movie blockbuster, Bracket Buster, that have come out. Uh, so first one we got to talk about is Evil Dead Rise, which came out two weeks ago. Uh, opening weekend of $24.5 million, which I think is a respectable amount for a movie of this type. Thoughts? Uh, I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but everyone who I've talked to who has seen it and some of the people from different podcasts that I've listened to who have seen it all really like it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it yet either. Um, Just been busy with work since I came back. From so when it loses to Barbie, it's your two fault. That's your, your, your well. I mean, it was all it was always time. going to move to bar uh, lose to Barbie, but John had it moving past Barbie, so John's the only loser for this one. Because Paul, both you and I moved uh, Barbie ahead. Hey, we won't know till Barbie comes out, and <laughs> it's opening with Oppenheimer. So, I don't is Oppenheimer on our bracket? It is. It is. It is. And I, I mean, the, for for past br- bracket busters, mm-hmm. the numbers for all of these movies have been pretty soft, except for the couple like John Wick and Super Mario have only been, have really only been the big movies. Uh, let me click back over to the bracket because John Wick opened with 73.8 and then super mario brothers was definitely like the leader so far with 146.3 million uh but our next movie that actually came out this past weekend guardians of the galaxy volume 3 opened with 118.4 million dollars so uh guardians of the galaxy will be going up against elemental which is opening june 16th which i I, we talked about all these on the the bracket buster episode so go go ahead and listen to that one for deeper thoughts but i don't know elemental looks decent but we talked about it in our pre-show guardians of the galaxy volume three just it hits right i think people that are saying oh hey the marvel movies don't have it anymore yeah you might be surprised by this one i heard this one makes you cry a lot and is it does that makes you cry a lot the kind of movie you go back to it also makes you laugh a lot and there's some Really cool action scenes in it. So you would go see it again? Yes. Okay. I would. Just to like see all the stuff that I might have missed because I was, you know, getting misty-eyed or laughing. Nice. Just some great moments in it. And um, again, same thing with the rest of the Guardians movies. Solid soundtrack, too. A lot of bangers in this one. And I right. uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy. How does that break up with the other Guardians movies? Uh, I don't have that open, so I cannot tell you. I believe 
it was still a bigger opening than the original Guardians movie, but not as much as Guardians 2. But, I mean, the the playing field's different now. Mm-hmm. I, I can chalk it up to that. I mean, movies as a whole aren't doing as much as they did before, so. But we'll see what happens when uh, Mission Impossible comes out, because that one should be pretty big. Same thing with Fast X. <laughs> The yeah, only reason uh, I'd want to watch Fast X is because Jason Momoa looks like he is just chewing up the scenery and having a ball. Only he does look like he's having a lot of fun. Uh, the original Guardians opened with uh, 94.3 million. Mm, okay. So, uh, yes, this one did more. Do you see Guardians 2 there? Uh, no, I was hoping that they would give me a breakdown of all of them, but they don't. So I'm loading up Guardians Galaxy Volume Two right now. Opened with 146.5 million, so it's a it's it's seen a decrease there, a little bit of a decrease, you know, a six uh 36 million dollar decrease or a 30 million dollar decrease, just about. But then again, you know, it's hard to get people back at movie theaters. They said. Yeah, I mean, even. You know, like we said before, like Super Mario Brothers movie opened with 146 million. I think it's already cracked a billion worldwide. Worldwide, but yeah. When that one came out, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like it's doing so much money, but it's it, it also is doing great money. Was, but compared to like Guardians was of the ex- Galaxy eight years ago, you know, everybody was expecting it to hit a billion, and everybody's like, "Oh, maybe it'll hit it," and then everybody's like, "It hasn't opened in." Uh, China or Japan yet, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to cross a billion. Easy, easy, easy to understand. It's it's a fun movie. I like it a lot. Yeah, you saw it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. When did you go yeah. see it? I saw it uh, a little bit ago with Grayson. Grayson loves it. I was going to ask, like, how did he feel about it? Cause, like, does he have, like, a frame of reference for those characters? Or was it just like, hey, it's cool, like, cartoon? Uh, it, it's cool cartoon. Uh, but we've been playing um, Super Mario Brothers on my Super Nintendo. He has a little, like, sports car, uh, big power wheels, wheel. power wheel, um, that he uh, was driving around the backyard today going, I'm Mario! And just driving around. Did you correct him? No. He doesn't need that shit from me. I mean... He also kept going, I'm going to work. He doesn't get it from you. He's going to get it off the streets. (laughs) He kept going, I'm going to work. I'm out of gas. And he'd get out and he'd pretend he'd fill the car back up and then he'd keep driving around. And then he drove over these, these bricks twice. And I was like, bud, don't do it again. And then he almost did it again. And he was like, woo! And he swerved out of it just in the last minute. Nice. Yeah. Paul, uh, you, you had have, you have some things you want to... Oh, for news. Yeah, news. Uh, guys, we're like nine days into the writer's strike of America. Uh, this is the second strike in 15 years. Uh, the last one back in 2017. 2007 lasted 100 days even. Um, they that was this deal that strum, that ba- or strike that basically started with a hey streaming is becoming a thing. Let's get these uh you know 
get paid for for streaming rights and they're like ah well it's not even a thing yet uh we we shouldn't you shouldn't worry about that we'll we'll make sure we we update the you know things when when the streaming deals actually happen um the writers have not been getting paid for for uh royalties on streaming because nobody publishes numbers on how many people are watching things that are on netflix HBO Max soon to just be Max and Disney Plus and the like. So, uh, yeah, there's a strike. And also now the studios are like, hey, we might start using AI soon to uh, help, you know, with writing. And the writers are like, "Uh, no, let's not do that. And in fact, we don't want our uh, work being put into searchable and being put into an AI to to facilitate you know the the ai's learning and the studios are like ah we'll meet yearly and we can discuss it later and they're like yeah that's what you said about streaming back in 2007 and we haven't gotten our payday yet paycheck for that yet so um yeah they seem like very very uh far apart on all these different on those two major items because I don't think the studios are going to start releasing numbers on who's watching what. Uh, and, and I don't think the studios are going to really come to any kind of agreement about not using AI. No, not until they start losing money and suffer in and feeling the need that they need to bring these guys back. But, I mean, you've had lots of people joining in solidarity uh you had seth myers uh tina fey and um oh what's his name um he's another snl alum bill uh, hater no but he's the guy who works with bill hater on the documentary now what's his name oh. he's the weird guy uh fred armison fred armison yeah um they were they were out there together. Selena Gomez's kidneys named after Fred Armisen. Okay. Yep. Um but you've seen lots of people out there. Uh uh Dermot Maroney, who actually I guess is part of the Writers Guild, who's written scripts, who's a film actor. Um he he's been marching in it and walking in it and there's been lots of people. One of the biggest voices who seems like he's leading everything is um, Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. He's been the person who I've seen being interviewed the most uh, about about it all. Adam's so, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope they can come to agreement. I hope the writers can get what <clears throat> they want and need because these are the people who are creating those shows that you love and writing those shows that you love. And they should be getting a piece of the pie for creating and writing those things that your favorite actors are saying. Indeed. I agree. Yeah. I, I just think it's uh, interesting that they still haven't had an agreement with streaming. And I kind of, I personally want to know the streaming numbers because I'm interested I, in that. I, I would be interested in that too. It's I don't know if they just don't want that information out there so competitors can see what's working on other it's like platforms and networks or or what. Like I just I don't know. 
streaming's changed everything, man. Yeah, it really has. And the industry needs to catch up. And I'm glad the writers are saying, hey, let's get in front of AI before (laughs) eight years down the road. Like, oh, yeah, this this movie, the dailies were, you know, the script was written by so and so. But the dailies and dialogue were written by AI, you know, premised by and like, how do you and if the AI was fed all the works of one certain writer, you know, does that writer get credit? You know, all those kind of questions, they need to be answered. Uh, and I also have a question. How is Beetlejuice 2 filming without writers? <laughs> like, they're over in London. Uh, Jenna Ortega just announced that, that she was part of this film. Uh, we got Batman himself. Uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I don't know why I always want to say Booster. Uh, Gold? Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, is back as Beetlejuice. Uh, I don't know who else is. Uh, Winona Ryder's back too as oh, Lydia. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it, so they're filming. They started apparently started filming yesterday. They have a release date of like September of next year, 2024. So, like, I could September. see this being not like low, low budget, but like a quick do it on the cheap kind well, of production. Is it Tim Burton back for it? Yeah, I don't, is he? Mm hmm. I know that apparently Kevin Smith like had a joke like in his stand up. I don't know if it was a joke or not, but he was pitched a script for Beetlejuice 2, Beetlejuice Goes to Hawaii. But um I don't know if that was a joke or not, but that was back when he was doing um the Superman movie, so early nineties that they've had scripts floating around for a Beetlejuice sequel, but yeah. I think it's weird that uh, that they would have that going on while while the strike was happening. There was a rumor that Andor season two was going to start production, uh, even with the writer strike, because the script was completed by Tony Gilroy, <laughs> and he's the showrunner and producer of that show. Uh, and he said that yeah, he would go do the show running for it. But not do any writing. But then he came, he uh, kind of got some pressure, kickback, some pressure from the Writers Guild, and he decided that it it wouldn't be right for him to you know cross the picket line to actually sure run that uh, that series right now. So apparently uh, we're we're gonna have to wait longer for Andor season two. That's yeah. fine. That, like the the first season was fantastic. However long it takes them to to do this stuff is more more than 100 days yeah that's fine there's again there's a wealth of content out there waiting for me to catch up on it so well catch up soon because disney plus announced that they're going to be taking down shows that's that's fine (laughs) there's a wealth of content well, they're going to take a content away. Yeah, there's still That's too much stuff for me to catch much. up on. And honestly, I think the stuff that they do wind up taking off is going to be the things that I probably wouldn't have watched. Like, they're going to leave on the stuff that are getting people in the seats. Like, if I can't watch the Mighty Ducks, like, streaming show, like, that's fine. Or if I can't watch the live-action Lady in the Tramp, 
I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Like that was like a day one launch and I still haven't watched it. So it's fine. As long as I get to see renovations at some point. I'll, I'll <laughs> That's a joke. Cause I don't care about that show either. <laughs> I enjoyed the whole idea of Disney plus because it was going to be that great. It was the Disney vault. You know, it was going to be everything from their past that was there and just available. And I've gone back and watched some, their older stuff on there. And I've appreciated the ability to do it. Not that I do it every day, but when I get that itch, I appreciate it's there. So, all right. That's all the news I had. Well, that means we need to either talk about our next beer or talk about the list. I guess that means we've got to talk. We can start on the list then, or... Chris has said that we're going to get the next his next beer. I don't know. Right, we'll uh, just well, write down. Pause. Oh, go ahead, John. I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about my beer because it is very lackluster. Mm. Uh, and this is Flying Dog, their pool hopping deck beer, hazy summer ale. This is it's a summer IPA. Um, this coming in at five point four. And this does not hit nearly as good as Hazy Rays uh, from Lawson's Um, for being a percent higher. It has a lot more malt to it. There's nothing here that's making me go like, oh, yeah, this is something that I'd want to drink in the pool or this is summer or I can't wait to drink this during a hot summer day. Um, This is the opposite of that. And um I I don't want to say I was expecting more from Flying Dog, but I was expecting something different from Flying Dog. I haven't had anything from Flying Dog in probably a decade. Um, so I've been bringing in their stuff here, there, little by little, because um, their portfolio and their newer beers have all become available for me to bring into the beer store. So I've brought in different stuff and i've tried stuff that i've been like oh yeah this is really good like oh yeah this is nice like i've liked a lot of it so when i saw they had a they have a summer pack right now you get a mexican lager that's brewed with like agave um they have uh, a citrus ipa which i might drink next but after having this i might not and then this beer in it and i was like oh let's give them a shot I'll, i'll go to town on this let's let's do it and um, very lackluster. Um, just not just not bringing it. And uh, maybe it's because I had the Hazy Rays first, and the Hazy Rays was delicious. But this definitely isn't doing it for me. Mm. You know what has agave, though? Liquid your death. Drink. Yes, your drink. With <laughs> the uh, seltzer waters. Uh, I'm drinking... Their mango chainsaw and talking about a summertime drink. Guys, this is nice. Um, whereas the severed lime <clears throat> has that hit sharpness of the tartness from um, the lime. This has just a smooth, rounded flavor from the mango. Uh, very enjoyable. So good job, Liquid Death, on, on both these flavors. Yeah, I, I really like the mango chainsaw a lot. There's another flavored one Bury I can't it what alive it was. yes yes that one was good too but i think i prefer the mango chainsaw hmm. i can see why chris yes when you're not drinking liquid death 
Please sponsor us, sponsor daddy. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking? Uh, I'm probably going to be drinking a beer from Hidden Springs, and I am having their Enchanted Tiki Room, which I'm surprised they were able to name a beer this, because, yes, this is straight up lifted from Walt Disney's Tropical Serenade, a.k.a. the Enchanted Tiki Room, because this is a Dole Whip-inspired sour ale with lactose. Um, It's Dole Whip adjacent, like... Also, I'm surprised they could put Dole Whip on there because I'm pretty sure that's probably also like Dole would be yes trademarked. Dole is definitely a registered trademark, or yeah, yeah, of the of the the, Dole company. Dole, the Dole like canning company. Um, So I'm glad I got this before it was probably pulled off the shelves. Um, But yeah, this is actually like a very nice big pineapple like sour ale. Like there's a wonderful like tartness to it. It's like a a real pineapple flavor. Um, and I know I'm about to explain something that doesn't sound like real pineapple, but you know when you get that can of pineapple and like you just can't wait so you grab that piece out of the can and it still has that like hint of metallicness to it, like from like the acidity just, like leaching like the aluminum out. It has that flavor and that's amazing. Um the lactose gives this a nice kind of round, like almost vanilla sweetness. Uh, this is delightful. Nice. I really enjoyed this. It, I think I'm glad it's living up to the name. It, it does. Um, this is the pineapple flavor that I was looking for in their pineapple upside down cake. One that they have, um, which is called like, the upside down. Uh, this this is delightful. Wow. Said it again. Because it's that delightful. Oh, man. <clears throat> so delighted. I know. You know what else is delightful? Reading comic books? Yeah. Heading us into the list. You got a book that you want to read? I do have a book. Uh, I'm going to be picking up from DC Comics their Batman the Brave and the Bold number one. This is actually a new anthology book that's coming out. Uh, $7.99 Big for spender. this issue. But it's also 64 pages. In this book, there are one, two, three, four stories. Um, amongst them, we have a story from Tom King and Mitch uh, Garretts, who we've loved on other stuff like uh, Mr. Miracle. Uh, also, uh, Batman, <laughs> we've read some of their stuff. Um, Dan Mora, who's doing the art over on uh, Superman, Batman, World's Finest, he's actually writing and drawing his own story. Um, then there's another story from Ed Brisson and Jeff Spokes. And then finally, another one from Christopher Cantwell and Javier Rodriguez. Uh, I love being an anthology book. Them putting this out makes me feel like, well, they were kind of already doing something like this with the Batman, uh, like untold legends, I think it was called, which was like an anthology, like, Hey, four issues, is a story. The next two is a different story. I guess maybe just like breaking those stories up into like an anthology book. Maybe we'll get more people to pick it up. I don't know the thought process behind it. I just know I'm looking forward to to going ahead with this one. John, I know you have a book that you're looking forward to. It's <clears throat> one that I was also looking forward to. Uh, that's why I asked if you were going to do this because I could have picked a different book. But uh, Titans number one. Uh, This is going to be written by Tom Taylor, art by Nicola Scott, 
And um, this is following Dark Crisis. With that being over, the Justice League is no more now. And a new team must rise to protect Earth, and it is the Titans, uh, bringing those younger characters who are now older all back. Beast Boy, Donna Troy, Nightwing, Starfire, Cyborg, Wally West, Flash, Raven, and uh, Tempest uh, all going to be coming back. And um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that the cover I want is... Dan Morris, because it looks awesome. The, the one with all of them, like, jumping with the, like, the, the rainbow. The rainbow? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, have you picked up the Nightwing run that Tom Taylor's been doing? Um, yeah, he's, he's he's been doing it for a while, right? Yeah, he's been doing it. Yeah, since his, his relaunch, when it was like, oh, yeah, this is writing Nightwing how I remember yeah. it and how I love it. Yeah. Um, I am probably maybe five, six issues behind on that. Gotcha. Cause that book should basically just be called Nightwing and the Titans because this book is almost like directly spinning out of that. Um, and like the, I love the fact that the teen Titans have just been kind of like omnipresent in the Nightwing book because it just feels right. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to them kind of having like their own showcase again because Tom Taylor's been doing great with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm looking forward to it. Paul, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a series that we've uh, all enjoyed, and that is Superman number four. This is starting off a new uh new uh new storyline. This is introducing uh, introducing the Kryptonite Claw. That's right, a villain that has a kryptonite embedded in their finger, in their fingies. So uh, Joshua Williamson is writing, and art is being done by Nick Dragota. We've been enjoying We read the Parasite first issue of that, and... I don't know if you guys kept up with it or not, but I I have it. But that's just because I've been picking up other books. Um, it's definitely something I would like to read more of. I just haven't gotten there. Okay. Uh, and something else Paul might like to read is our dramatic reading. And now a dramatic reading from X-Ray Robot number one, page two, panel seven. Never mind. We have a lot to talk about. And that was a dramatic reading from X-Ray Robot number one. Page two, panel seven. I didn't really know what to do with that one, but I did it. Is that Mike Allred art? Yep. Okay. I, I couldn't tell if it was his art or if it was just like very similar because like the... The colors on it make it look that way, but okay. See, we know our comic books here. Yeah. Let me save, let me save that so I can put it on our Instagram, uh, our dramatic reading, because that's the thing that we do. Um. So do you want to start with Chris's book, <sighs> Do Mine, and then end with Vader, because it's got all the different stories in it? 
Nice, Chris. What a my my, my book, as we head into our main topic, again, uh, set it up at the front. It's time for our monthly look back. So this is going to be some of the new comics, uh, all number ones this month that we picked up in April of 2023. Uh, this was one of the books that I kind of, I want to say, I think I was hyped about when we did our look forward for the year. I think I picked uh, Green Arrow. And if I didn't, I probably should have. Because uh, the Emerald Archer is back. Uh, this book being written by Joshua Williamson, who's also handling Paul's Superman book currently. Art by Ma- uh, Matteo Zaski. I'm blanking on his name. I'm looking for the page. Sean Zaski. Sorry. Not close at all on that one. Uh, but this is telling the tale about the return of Oliver Queen, who's been missing since the crisis. Uh, but it's also bringing the whole band back together. Uh, this book mostly focuses on some of the members of like the Queen family, the Queen Quiver, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Roy Harper, Connor Hawk, and Black Canary. But then also popping up is, uh, in a heartwarming moment, is Roy's daughter, Leanne, which I think was a lot of fun. Um, I did not realize everything that that character has been through, but this kind of is reminding me almost of the green lantern rebirth where it's almost going to be like a green arrow greatest hits where it's going to take everything that you liked about green arrow and his plethora of characters and villains bringing them back together like a more modern like updated sensibility and everything about this book just worked for me i really enjoyed it even though i've been away from green arrow for a while i think the last green arrow book i picked up was the 80th anniversary special last year uh there was enough in that book to make me be like yeah i i do like oliver queen uh and everything i like shines through here in this uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, I definitely enjoy where this book was headed. And then all of a sudden, when it kind of takes this left turn and like Manhunter shows up and mm-hmm. it's he's in some other realm or world and he's got, got cool future armor. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK. Mm, all right. I'll, I'm down for this. Uh, definitely wasn't expecting this out of this wasn't expecting that out of this book um but yeah i i liked it i think the art looks great um i had a lot of fun with it i'm looking forward to where this book is going this book is going to crazy town and that crazy town is in the future with manhunter <laughs> robots in it i i i just don't get it like so the mystery and it somehow involves amanda waller which hey throwing amanda waller you got me at least a little bit intrigued. Um, but it was only the Cheshire cat who I forget her name. It's Leanne. Leanne. Yeah. Who's the daughter of Connor. Who's nope. the mom? Ro- no. Roy, Roy and Cheshire. Oh, the assassin. Oh, okay. It's Roy skid. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Okay. But uh, yeah, but apparently they they can't be a family. Some things keeping them apart. And the yeah. Oliver. Yeah. 
Is it? There's some sort something that he can't fight. Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it was interesting enough for me to want to read the next couple. Maybe if you guys start telling me like four issues, they're well now apparently it's just three issue trades. Um, like oh yeah, the first three issues were great. Read 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 those. Like I'd be more interested. But right now I'm like okay, because it was like hey we're gonna get the family back together. But we can't get the family back together. So I'm like, oh, so why am I here? The what family can't be together. That's, right. that's the hook for what the book is going to be. Ooh, interesting. I have no books coming out May 31st. Um, the thing that I did want to talk about, and this is not a problem with this book. I think it's a problem with DC Comics in general. And John, you kind of hit on it when we were talking about Titans number one. You're like, oh, you know which cover I'm going to get? Because they have, we're back to the age of variants on variants on variants when it comes to covers. Mm-hmm. And I I held it up before for you guys. Um, I have nice the David uh, Nakayama cover, which is the cardstock variant I found out, oh, which costs a dollar more. <laughs> it's just the regular book. This was four ninety nine versus the three ninety nine. If I had gotten a different cover, which I don't pay attention to stuff like that because I go into the store and if it's something that's on my pull list, it just it's waiting in my subscription box. If it's something that I'm just going to pick up because it's a number one that I want to check out, I go over to the shelf and then I look at the covers and I'm like, oh, that one's cool. I'm gonna get that one. Um, I now know that some of them are a dollar more because it's a different quality paper. I don't like that. Yeah, I get it all digitally, so I don't have that. It's not that I'm looking at the other covers. It's like, man, you know what? I could have gotten like any of those other ones. And I still would have been fine with it and I would have saved a buck. That's not a problem with the book. That's just a problem with DC, though. Yeah, I, I mean, DC's doing anything to... S- get some money um, because yeah, they've been going crazy with the covers, but I mean, Marvel, this was Marvel tactics. How many years ago? And DC's just getting into it now. But Marvel's, I don't know. Cause we took such a sabbatical from buying physical books and we we're just buying everything digitally. And then, you know, sharing those books, Marvel's doing it too now where it's just a lot of different covers and i don't again i don't pay attention i don't know if some of those are more expensive than other ones i just know i was upset when the one cover i got for daredevil number like eight or nine whatever it was was like a daredevil versus like the predator variant which i was like predator's not in this book this doesn't make any sense uh i bought an issue of venom only because it had an alec ross lizard on the cover uh classic like batman or spider-man villain lizard and my son loves the lizard so i bought it and then like as we were walking up to buy it i was like um and i looked through it and i'm like buddy this doesn't have the lizard in it and he's like he's on the cover and i'm like yeah it's just a special cover so we got home and I like told Caitlin, I was like, 
he's got this book. It's fine. It's like super like cerebral. It's like nothing like there's no violence in this in this issue of Venom. We got it because of the cover. But if anything, we could just frame this comic book and put it on the wall because it's beautiful and he loves the lizard. But yeah, I hear. Has he seen has he seen the Prowler yet? No. Oh, that's that's a cool looking Spider-Man villain. Get him hooked on that Prowler. Ask ask Alex Ross. uh, he has because the Prowler's in. Um, oh yeah, he's in Spider Man. Yeah, Sp- Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. He's pretty cool. You know what's cool about the '90s? We're seeing it all again with Terror War, John. Oh, I didn't know where we were going. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, '90s about brain bullets. '90s or late '80s? Because I have thoughts on this book. Uh, so this is Terror War number one, written by Saladin Ahmed and Dave Acosta on art. And this takes place in the future where a unknown terror uh, takes on someone's worst nightmare to attack them if they touch you you burn into ashes but there are a few people out there who are able to use mind bullets brain bullets that's telekinesis kyle (laughs) (laughs) to uh to destroy these uh these creatures and we follow a team um that kind of has a feel of like a a D&D campaign team um who take out these these terrors for uh for money and uh only if they light up their bounty flare first a bounty beacon or whatever to say that they're there to kill it and they've killed it uh yeah everything about this book reminded me of like if i bought an action figure in the late 80s because it looked cool this would be the mini story comic that would be packed in with it because it introduces all the characters because you have like your your tech guy your security mm-hmm. officer um the doctor the guy the doc. and they're all like they all fit into that kind of archetype even like their logo is like the monster face with like the ghostbusters uh-uh like cross through it and then they get into a vehicle that I swear looks like every plastic car that you would have seen walking through Toys R Us in the 80s. Because it's got like a gunner seat on the top. It has tires like with tank treads on the back. And then it has like the one like driver spot with like the one like, glass plastic glass canopy yep. over it. Mm-hmm. This literally just looks like something that you would have bought as like the action figure vehicle. I would have came with like, like, Oh, if you want to get the tech guy nerds was, or whatever, his name is like, the, you gotta get the, you gotta get the vehicle. It was the toy line from a cartoon that you never actually saw the cartoon, but you saw the commercials for it and thought it looked cool. And the toy line. I have to get the skeleton warriors. Got it. Mommy got to have it. Uh, Yes, that all of my thoughts were like, 
I don't like this book, but if I was a kid and saw the action figures of these characters on like a peg at Toys R Us when I was growing up, I would have thought this was the coolest thing ever. Well, Chris, don't and you I would worry. have wanted all of them. There is even more to collect now because you get to the final page and you get the team in red. Oh, you get well, the bad no, that's good the villains. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the bully team. It's the bad, it's the bad team. Because you have red. the with the hat and the guy with the sword. Girl with a crossbow. Oh, you got the, you got the leather daddy with the mask and the, the little wizard on a chain attached to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, I struggled to find a book for this month. You, you could have struggled a little bit more. Well, I asked, like, Chris, I, I asked you, I asked you about Shazam, and you were like, no, that came oh. out this month. I asked you about Robin, and you were like, eh, you don't really have to read it. Eh. And I was like, okay, or not Robin, um, Superboy. And I was like, well, let's try to find something. I found okay. Like, I I mean, I'm always glad to talk about comic books with my friends. Um, I could still keep talking about this one. We don't have to wrap it up because there's nothing inherently bad about it. No, I I thought it was fine, but it does have that kind of this feels like an 80s sci-fi cartoon or movie. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I didn't there was nothing to I find dislike about this book. It's a fine story. It's not the greatest art. Um but it's it, it's like that image comics like indie style. like it it fits in for what the book is. Yeah. Like, uh there was a book that sounded better and had better reviews but was not on um, Comicsology to purchase. What book was that? I don't remember now. Miss Meow number seven. <laughs> <laughs> All silent issue. Vegan outside the box. Um, so I do have to say, I, giant GI Joe, GI Joe guy. Like that's from that's, something, right? That's the oversized action figure that you would have to buy. No, no, I mean, but isn't is that from like a 80s like horror movie is that for like from house or something or yeah I, from house is it from house yeah because that's what yeah. i thought too when i saw it and well, i was no. like are like, these are, are we supposed to be seeing like 80s horror movies or stuff like that that connect to that in these and i didn't really see it too much with the uh like cartoony lizard creature or whatever the, the giant frog it's supposed to be evocative of mickey mouse because when you see the shadow of it on that like first big panel it looks like it's the mickey mouse like you know like your typical like three circle and then it turns out it's a cartoon frog but i think it's supposed to just be evocative of mega present like cartoon like idol um, can we circle back to mind bullets? Because <laughs> he says, unless you're like me and you can shoot mind bullets and his eye lights up, but then he's just shooting the regular gun. But what's fueling and that gun? His mind bullets. And it hurts like hell when he does it. 
Respect his pain. Chris, you're not respecting his pain. Um, I'm just questioning his methods is all. His eye lights up in a cybernetic thing that's on his uh, temple. You know, lights up as well. And I guess that's what links his mind. The mind to the gun. To the gun. And it becomes like incendiary bullets to the terror because they look like. Yeah, because nothing isn't the terror is behind the loop, (laughs) the loop that's coming after it. So I guess those are the brain bullets. Also, I a little confused about the flashback scene where. I'm assuming it's his, uh... Oh, the, the his robot? Dad gets attacked, attacked by the credit hounds? <laughs> yeah. Which, they, they reminded me kind of like the mousers from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but... That was... Weird. Hey, this is only one of two. So it wasn't, uh... We don't have to Next worry. I, 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 don't can, I don't think they can oh. wrap it up in one more book. I don't know. They've introduced so much. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I will say, like, from a sci-fi comic book standpoint, it does remind me kind of of the uh, Coheed and Cambria comic books, which I love me some Coheed and Cambria, but the comics themselves were just kind of like mm-hmm. a pale retelling of what I assume the stories is in the songs in, in Claudio's head that he's done a better job portraying in like the songs. Um, I didn't hate this. It's just going through it. Every page. I was like, wow, I have thoughts. <laughs> so I picked a good I just, book then. It really, it you really, like I, said, I keep talking about this because. Credit hounds that are just robot dogs that are just attacking people. The in the streets, But in the past, you fart? Uh, yeah. I, also like, as I'm going back through it again, I'm like, yeah, this is this would be a comic book meant to sell action figures or a tie-in to a cartoon that was made to sell action figures. But then they were also like, oh, we also got the comic book coming out from Marvel Comics. Pick up, pick up the issues, and then the book would be canceled because nobody is buying it because it's a tie-in comic book to a cartoon made to sell a, a toy line. You cannot look at that card and tell me that that's not like oh. When you said terror, that, terror watch or terror war uh, battle band. I read this book without mm-hmm. that thought, but as soon as you said it, Chris, I was like, "Oh yeah!" And the truck they were in with the the gun on top, I was like, "I I'm pretty sure I had that GI Joe truck." Um. Also, I I completely forgot about this until just now. I couldn't find this book on Comicsology. Like I tried typing it in, couldn't find it, and then. I saw that Paul had asked, like, uh, what's this book? Because I'm not seeing it. And then you're like, oh, I had, I had the... I put the wrong title. I can't remember what you called it versus what terror, it was actually. Terror, terror World versus Terror War. So I put it in, could not find it. It's one word. I put, I put it as one word oh. because I looked it up on League uh-huh. of Comic Geeks. And I was like, okay, it's one word. So deleted that space wasn't popping up. I had to then look at the name of the writer, search for him, which brought up a bunch of like like sci-fi novels that he did. And then after that I was like, oh like 
five spots down on Amazon. That's the book. Okay, let me buy this. Because when I was searching for Terror War, I was getting like, War on Terror, number one. And I was like, that's not it. You do uh, to, You do your search, though, on Amazon, though, for your your books, right, Chris? Uh, I go... I go comicsology.com, which then loops me back into okay. Amazon, where I sign then it. Puts your, it puts the search bars to, yeah. like, hey, we're searching comics, manga, and graphic novels. Yeah. Because I, 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 I did I a do, search for it, and I found it right away once I learned that it was Terror War. I do mine on um, the Comixology app, and I just put it into my Comixology list. And then I just go to my list on Amazon and purchase um, one click purchase. Boom. Yeah. Whatever books we're picking, I just I buy usually through Amazon Comixology on my phone or on my computer. And then once I purchase it, eventually I just go onto my phone and download it through the Comixology app and then read it. Nice. Uh, you know before- what else is nice? Oh, Bader. He's not nice. I was going to say, before we get into our last book, I have a new beer to drink. Uh, And I am drinking from Prison City Brewery. And this is their DDH Riot in Vermont. This is their Riot in Vermont beer. Double dry hopped. Uh, You're looking at Citra and Simcoe. A double dry hop version of Riot in Vermont, loaded with Citra and Mosaic hops. And fermented with Vermont ale yeast. Um, this beer is really nice. It is very grassy kind of hop flavor to it. Um, it's nice. I like it. It's got, again, a little bit of that bitterness to it. I've been really loving Prison City beers. Uh, they've just been hitting that itch of what I've been looking for lately. Um, I think it's not that overly overly juice bomb beers, but beers with some nuance in characters, uh, character to it. And uh, I've been pretty much absolutely loving everything I've had from them uh, in their IPA lines. Um, I think I had their one porter. I thought it was OK. Heather uh, Pilsner. I thought it was OK. Um, I just brought in a citrus wheat, which I was like, well, maybe I'll try it. But when it comes to IPAs, Prison City knows what they're doing. Nice. Uh, I, what was the Prison City one that you gave me? The black? Uh, I gave you the black, black lager because it, it was the um, Vader. Vader. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. I like that one a lot. I have, uh, I have a can of that. I haven't had it yet. Oh, it's really good. I think you'll like it. Um, yeah. But Chris, I know you're just taking you're just taking your sips. Take one more. So Take this one this more. one was very foamy. Like so I, I poured it, I waited for the foam to die down, and then I poured the rest in and my first uh, two sips have just been foam. I just read this very interesting article uh in Japan. They're creating Oh, a, you're reading articles in Japan now? Yes. They are creating and working on making a two um, pop top lid for um, beer. So they were will pour more like draft. So you have one, you have the the single 
this is hard to explain. You have the single opening, but pu- two pull tabs to open it. The first pull tab opens it only a little bit, and then you're supposed to pour about 40% of your beer or 30% of your beer in through that little hole, then use a second pull tab to open it farther to pour the beer, and it's supposed to have a better head, better foam to it, and pour more like a draft beer. That was kind of interesting. Thought I'd try it the next time I'm going to pour a beer. Like, just crack it, the can a little bit, pour about 30 to 40% of it, and then crack it all the way and pour it the rest. Just knock a little hole in it up top. You know, open it up a little, knock a little hole, pour it with a little hole, flip it around, open it up, boom. Are you talking about fruit punch? So that was an interesting story, John. Thanks for sharing what about the pool tabs. Very good. Yeah. I don't know how to segue it back to comic books, but hey, comic books. I, I have I have a beer. Oh, you have a beer. Oh, we're talking about beers. I forgot where we were. I was I was burning I was burning time telling that because Chris got up and oh he had beer he was getting his beer he was trying it for the first time so I was I was killing time I I, I was vamped out of existence Chris what beer are you drinking it's okay Uh, my final beer from Hidden Springs Ale Work is actually a collaboration beer a collaboration if you will eh 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 yeah. Yeah, you yeah. guys aren't laughing. I think I dropped the call again. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no um, we're fine. Uh, but this is Burrito Day, and this is a hazy double IPA with Azaka, Strata, and Citra Hops. And this is brewed by Hidden Springs Brewing in collaboration with Brewing Culture. And Culture is spelled K-O-L-T-U-R because they are a Swedish brewery. Um, how Tampa Bay Brewing... Hidden Springs got in contact with a brewery in Sweden outside of like Stockholm with brewing culture. I have no idea, but this is a a nice, bright, hazy double IPA. Uh, like John said, he was vamping for a while to fill time before uh, I got into my beer. And as I was pouring it, it was one of those like, oh, this smells hazy kind of moments. And it definitely is. I think Azaka is one of those hops that I can add to the list of hops that I like now because this nice, bright, it's got a nice kind of like citrus zest to it. Uh, I I really enjoy this. And it drinks really easy. I don't know what the ABV on this one is. 8%. Um, double IPA. I'm not surprised by that. But I'm already I'm holding up my glass, even though I turned my camera off. You guys can't see this. I'm already halfway through this one and it, it goes down real smooth, real sweet, real nice. Um, yeah, love it. I think all three of my beers that I picked up from Hidden Springs today, definitely worth it and solidifies just uh, that experience that we've had when we've gone there. Uh, they're they're a win. Like if you go to Tampa Bay. Stop by Hidden Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the beer sounds good. The uh, atmosphere and at the brewery itself is really good. I really enjoyed it there. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah. That seemed like a locals kind of place. If I'm thinking of the same of uh, the one, was that the one we went to and it was like there was a soccer game that was happening? No. It was like the you ordered your beers through like a window that was in the wall, and it was like almost like just long tables, and then they had like a mural on the wall. Nice. Also, I I turned my camera back on because I think everything's working okay now. Thank you. I was working on my spreadsheet of all my favorite Star Wars stuff. You know, yeah, I can I now hold up my beer and you can see it. See, I'm nice. I'm halfway through. Oh. Drinks real easy for eight <clears> percent. <throat> But we got one last book to talk about. Yeah, and it has three stories in it, guys. Get ready for Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. Uh, We have Hard Shutdown Part 1, Inescapable, which is just a one-shot story, and also Dissolution of Hope, which is also a one-shot. Throughout the rest of the series, only Hard Shutdown is going to continue on. So if you like that and want to see the resolution of that story, you got to pick them all up. So I don't remember the names of any of these. Hard Shutdown was the Jason Aaron one, yes. right? Okay. Uh, art by Leonard Kirk. Uh, that sees Darth Vader. Le- uh, wait, Leonard Kirk. I remember that name from somewhere, Paul. Why is that? Probably because of X Factor. That's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> we always make the jokes. Paul makes us read X Factor books. Leonard Kirk was X Factor artist. Yep. Get it? Get it? It all comes back. If you it listen for 520 episodes, <laughs> you're going to hear some uh, some cycles. I think the art in this story is pretty great. Uh, this sees Darth Vader springing a um, a trap. He knows it's a trap. He goes in, and he's he's there to make sure that a, this one weird doctor is actually dead. And apparently his son is out for revenge on Vader and has a way to shut down Vader's cybernetic body. Uh, what did you guys think about this? Uh, I thought this was a pretty good one. I did not understand that they were shooting bullets at him. Uh, I mean, it's a cool scene where he's cutting the bullet in half and he's stopping the rest of them with the force. But I was like, bullets in Star Wars? They look like could... mini missiles. I could see bolts being a thing just because it's different from like the normal like blaster, like plasma energy. Maybe it's just like a cheaper or different technology that gets through some other defenses. I don't I don't have the logic behind it, but it when I saw it, I was like, oh, there's probably a reason it's bullets, not blasters. Yeah. And it might just be so Vader can cut them out of the air. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I, I, because he can cut him out of the air. It's fine. It's, it's a, still badass. He sh- he's shoot, shooting him, and then that's what gets lodged in his hand. And then that's when he turns out, tur- does the hard shutdown. No, the thing he gets in his hand is like a... Because it's after he... It's like, definitely puts his, different. When, it's no, like it's a, when he puts his hand on it. So it, it is one of them. So yeah. maybe they're not bullets. Maybe they're like the disruptors. They're, I, did, they're I didn't think that much about it. Remember in... Uh, Revenge of the Sith, when the missile blows up and it becomes buzz droids. I'm thinking it's like he's shooting out like miniature buzz droids, basically. But there's yeah, some sort of makes sense. projectile droid. 
again, I didn't think of this when I was reading it because I read them as bullets too. But mm-hmm. yeah, now that I'm looking at it, it's like, yeah, he puts his hand on the gun. One of those things goes into his hand and that's what yeah. like shuts down the, the armor. That makes sense. Or his, his body, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the art in the art in this story is it's got some really cool stuff, but then it's got some kind of clunky McClunky. Um, <laughs> Star, and Star Wars. The um the last issue also has some clunky art. Whoa, don't jump ahead. But the middle story is amazing art. Uh but yeah, that's I mean, I, I thought it was a fun story. I this being a continuing through line through these books, this wasn't good enough to be like, I gotta read the next one. All right. I would be more interested in seeing what other Vader stories are going to be in here because I just really loved the Vader stuff. And like Vader's a cool character to read and he's, and to read other Vader stuff from other artists and writers is cool. Um, The, we'll talk about it when the last issue comes, but it made me think of um, I guess I'll talk about it now. It made me think of the uh, Peter Santa Francis uh, sketch show that he did where he played Vader. And then there was a female Vader in it. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't. I will send you the clip because it is hilarious. Um, yeah, not to talk about the whole book before we get through the whole book, but. I you sell me a Vader anthology book and. That's all I need. I'm okay with there being a like a through line story. And I think of all the stories that are in this issue, I'm okay with this being the like the the tie that binds through however long this book's gonna be. Um because I think it's interesting. And one of the questions I wanted to ask, and I'm sure like the answer is no, is like this is not canon, right? Like none of these stories are just quote unquote yeah. like Star Wars canon. Like these are just like get to play in the sandbox kind of things. Yeah, I have a I as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, this is like Star Wars Visions. Like yeah, yeah they play example, in the motifs, yeah. they play with it, but they're not they're not canon until somebody makes them canon, basically. Like I can see some Star Wars Vision stuff becoming canon later on and maybe somebody will run with one of these stories which not to get out of this because we're talking about comics but relevant uh we started the season two of star wars visions the other day and we watched like the first two Mm -hmm. i think i i like that it turned more into hey let's play with animation as a medium not let's play with just like Japanese animation anime is like the because uh, just those first two that you get are like so vastly different. I don't know if anybody else has watched Vision season two yet, but I, I watched, haven't. I think, first three. Once I got to the anime one, I'm like, oh, OK. Uh, I've been watching the Little Jedi's on Disney we, Plus. We watched the first one because Yanni saw it and was like, I want to watch that. And then like at the end of the first one. She's like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. And I'm like, that child should not have a, like a spaceship. Like, where are the parents? 
and then they I, were I made taken the, from their parents, Chris, at a young age. Uh, the, no, this so, is a girl that literally her parents gave her a spaceship. Oh, and she's space shipping around. And then I made the joke afterwards. I was like, on the plus side, all these kids are going to be killed by Vader in Episode Two. <laughs> Jokes. Jokes. It's during the High Republic era. It is because Yoda's a young man. Mm-hmm. You can tell because the but amount he, of hair he has. But he's still been around for like hundreds of years. And then, anyways, uh, I was excited for the next story in this because this is by Peach Momoko, who's actually one of my favorite cover artists. If you go back to our February like uh, creators, we love. Uh, she's one of my favorite comic book cover artists, and she also did the uh, X Men. Demon Days that we read, like, the first issue of, where it was, like, the feudal samurai Psylocke book. Uh, so I was excited to see this one. Yeah, yeah this one is uh, creepy and a lot of body mutilation yeah. and horror. I did not enjoy it. I was like, yeah, no thanks. But, John, I can see you liking this. I, I, I thought the art was uh, great in it. Um, I noticed right away, like, as soon as I turned that page, I saw her name on the cover and I was like, oh, I'll like this artwork. And when I turned the page and I saw her stuff, I was like, oh, great. But, yeah, it's um, it's a silent it's a silent story. It's a nightmare fueled story of Vader hunting down a woman. But is this woman Padme like who is this woman who's dreaming of this evil Vader? Uh, See, I, I assume it was like a, a Jedi kind of, but she doesn't. There's no quite quantifying factors to any of the art. Like it's just someone that's haunted by Vader, like at every turn, because he's inescapable. And then the where it ends with a really creepy uh, Tie Fighter with you know the tie, tie, uh, yeah, I. You know, she definitely in the art, like she takes the subtext of Vader's helmet and turns it into text like, yeah, it's a skull. And then the TIE fighter ship. Yeah. Yeah. The cop picks like an eye. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the best looking of the the stories we get here. Oh, it's 100 percent. the best. And looking. I, I just, again, I'm just going to like fangirl over her for a moment. Like, I just think her art style is fantastic and can do no wrong. Like my, my favorite story out of this book. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, I just think like that picture of the lightsaber going down show mm-hmm. is like, I would buy that as a poster and hang it on my wall. Like, I just think it's gorgeous in the creepy mm-hmm. creepiness that it is. I think it's gorgeous. Oh, like just going back through again, like the creepy Vader hand, like, reaching out to her like through like the clump of other hands hands yeah yeah creepy sign sign me up what did you say before sponsor daddy sponsor me daddy what was it paul uh yeah sponsor us sponsor daddy yeah yeah grab me Uh, daddy and it's the right after that chris where she has like she shoots through the hand and she's in that like white outfit is what made me think oh, it okay. was. It's, that's what made me think it w- might have been Padme. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have like a lightsaber too. Like it's a, she's got like a blaster. Ugh, it, this is beautiful. Creepy. 
Yeah, I but, just took it but as beautiful. somebody that's just had a run-in with Vader and is now just creeped out by him. Uh, yeah. The last story is Dissolution of Hope. Uh, Turan Gornbeck as the writer and Klaus Janssen as the artist. And this is basically uh, a group that's seeking revenge on Vader and Imperials that have lost everything to them and basically are going on a suicide mission uh, to take down Vader. Uh, our... I, I just wanted to confirm, sorry, uh, not yeah. to cut you off, because I didn't look at the creator for this one before, but Klaus Janssen was a artist that worked alongside Frank Miller on the Daredevil Reborn and Batman Dark Knight books. He was his, like, uh, inker, like, colorist, which make, makes sense now that I'm, like, looking at this book. It's like, oh, okay, I can see that kind of parallel. Yeah, and uh, we see that Vader is there, but he's only, he's there for his own purposes, not for anybody else's. Yeah, he'll let all the rich, well-to-do <laughs> Imperials die just to get the means to an end. Um, yeah, I thought the story of this was good. But I don't think the, the I mean, the art isn't great. I mean, the art's better than what I could draw, but it's not like. It's not great, especially for the like, it's only four ninety nine. Like, it's not an expensive book, but it's an expensive book that you would think like, OK, you see Jason Aaron, you see uh, uh, Peach, uh, I want to say Monioko. Um, but the the. The art just isn't great in this book, and you would think that you would want to have elevated art in this. Not just one story that's gorgeous, mm-hmm. that uses the, the the palette of the reds, grays, and, and whites, and blacks, where this is just like, it's black and white, and... Uh, his lightsaber's red. Like yeah, it's shaded. And like things are sometimes shaded red. Yeah, it doesn't really use the. It doesn't use premise. the medium. Yeah. Uh, well, and then the artists themselves aren't. In the the first and last story, it just doesn't feel like just great. You know? Yeah, they could. I mean, Vader looks pretty good. But it's Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I. Paul, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said this is, you know, Darth Vader visions because they were probably able to just go to different like branch comic book creators and be like, hey, just want to tell a one shot Vader story. And and here we are. So you're going to be getting different takes. And I'm okay with that. Like, you don't have to. I guess, like, try to fit into a box, like as long as you're just telling a story about Darth Vader like that's the only promise he'd need to fulfill and I think all these books did well not books all these stories did do that in this book I I don't want to sound negative about the book I did like the book I would read more because Vader stories are fun 
I just feel for like what uh, what you're paying for, mm-hmm. it could have used the the medium that's supposed to be done a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I think it fell short of the premise of red, black, black, white, and red, um, for most of them. And then the one that did really well was you know so creepy and off putting that I don't really enjoy it. So you know the the peach momoko. Uh, so last page of this, they do have kind of a, hey, issue number two, continuing Jason Aaron, Leonard Kirk story. But then the other stories that are going to be like the follow-ups or like supporting, whatever you want to refer to them as, I didn't recognize the names of any of those creators in it. Which doesn't necessarily sell me on it because you know they could be great stories they could be great creators i just i'm not familiar but i don't think there was enough in that leonard kirk jason Aaron one to like sell me on the next one but i think the book itself is interesting enough and like paul if next month you're like hey you know what i i want to give it a second shot i wouldn't be opposed to picking it up like i wouldn't dispute your your pick I got. I probably won't not be telling you up. to. It's not, probably not going to be blanket like statement. Not telling you to do that, but I I'd be fine with reading more of it. Well, guys, if you listeners, power power ranking. Oh, power ranking. Okay. Yep. Sorry. We do this every month uh, for like twelve years now, Paul. I don't know. Uh, Green Arrow, Vader. Terror War. Mm. Agree. Green Arrow, Terror War, <laughs> Vader. <laughs> Guys, huh? I would want those action figures. <laughs> I might not know them, but I need to have big, burly Dr. Paz guy. I gotta have Glasses Nerd who comes with the vehicle. Dimitri. Well, I'll let you know when issue two comes out, because it's only a two, it's just a two-parter. Well, I look forward to picking this for my pick. <laughs> for well, they have Terror life. War and then Terror Battle and then Terror World. Uh, terror is taking you by storm. Terror on Terror. Terror. <sighs> but maybe right. there's a book that we didn't read that we should have. Let us know, dear listener. Email us over at bangboardcast at gmail.com or on any of our social medias that you could find. We're begged and bored on all of those. Um, yeah. I, you guys got anything clever to wrap it up with? I'm going to bed. Oh. I'm tired. And sore. 